Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good Monday morning to you. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Uh, time now for why it matters. You know, according to the Food and Agriculture Association of the United Nations, small farmers produce a third of the world's food. Yep, indeed they do. And last year, updated estimates show that there are more than 608 million family farms around the world. Huge number. And they occupy between 70 and 80% of the the world's farmland and they produce about 80% of the world's food in value terms. Yeah, but despite that, such farmers, they're finding difficulties when it comes to selling their crops. One such company that is seeking to change that is Jiva. Now, they want to empower farmers by putting information in their hands by their mobile phones. Should be interesting, but despite wanting to do good, the company still found it quite hard to grow further, specifically across South Sulawesi in Indonesia. Right, so that's when our next guest comes into the picture from Growth Ops. Growth Ops entered and eventually increased Jiva's customer base by 38% in just over nine months. The question is, how did they manage to do so? And why are agri-tech companies facing such challenges on the marketing front in the first place? Let's find out from Shahad Hamid, who is General Manager, Growth Ops Singapore. Good morning, how are you? Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So, in short, you guys are like a marketing agency, but in long, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Growth Ops. That's right. So, um, we're a full-service digital marketing and technology agency. We're made up of about 450 experts across nine different offices in APAC, um, and we're split across all different service offerings, so from digital transformation consultancy to tech and uh, platform uh, delivery and also uh, creative services and performance marketing and analytics. So all of these uh, experts in these fields come together in cross-functional teams to support our clients. And one such example, as you rightly mentioned, was, was Jiva because it was a challenging brief to take on. Tell us more about how challenging it was. What exactly made it so challenging? Um, so uh, farming is uh, generally weather and climate dependent, um, but smallholder farmers have limited access to information about how to adjust rapidly to changing climatic conditions and even less access to capital to deploy new strategies uh, or to purchase new supplies. So, And secondly, they also have challenges because the entire process is deeply unfair to smallholder farmers. They don't have resources to audit the prices. They are quoted by traders. It's difficult to cross-check uh, prices in other villages due to limited connectivity. So many farmers just accept lower weights uh, for their crops because traders rig the scales. So they often get paid less than promised. So there's a massive injustice that uh, Jiva are going after. This audience inherently is um, not as connected as, as the rest of the Indonesian market. It's a highly niche audience that's very difficult to reach. So along with Jiva and obviously ourselves, we went in with a hybrid approach uh, because a purely people approach uh, wouldn't be able to scale and a purely tech approach is not so feasible for this particular audience. So we went about with a hybrid uh, approach where they hired uh, local community people called Sahabat Jiva. So these are farmer friends as they'd like to call them and these Sahabat Jiva essentially go into these rural farmers uh, and connect them to the apps. So one thing that we identified very quickly is our 
experimentation approach because again this is an audience that you don't have case studies for this is an audience that is obviously quite challenging to 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 reach and this is a, a first for everyone and this is the first product as well in this uh, region so we had to go in with an experimentation approach uh, i.e you know not making assumptions or even trying to validate whatever assumptions that we had and based on whatever worked, i.e. even things like uh, messaging that would work for, for this particular audience, imagery that would work for this audience, how the messaging is delivered. Uh, so all of this kind of led to us finding out very quickly that one of the things that really worked uh, is getting people to download an app is easy, but getting people to use the app mm. you know, on a consistent basis was hard. So uh, using the Sahabat Jiva, we were able to identify that anyone that we can connect to the Sahabat Jiva quickly their usage and their app usage increased. So with that insight, uh, we doubled down on that strategy of driving uh, not just acquisitions to download the app, but actually getting them connected to a nearest Sahabajiva. And that approach really worked for us. Thanks a lot for that comprehensive answer. Uh, Shahad, don't mind if I want to take just a very slight step back. I've been watching a lot of these uh, influencer marketing videos on YouTube. And one term that keeps coming up is growth hacking. Would you mind helping to explain that? And was this something that, that could be applied where our, our case study, uh, Jiva, is concerned? Um, absolutely. Um, so growth hacking obviously was popularized uh, in the last maybe a uh, decade or so especially with tech companies trying to grow really fast using network effects. However, growth hacking tactics have been around for decades, even way back in 1930s. For example, you know, uh, supermarket chains found out that actually, you know, if you reduce the friction of people, you know, having to lift their baskets and, you know, just put wheels onto the baskets, they actually ended up buying more. So they increased the uh, basket value just by adding that one small innovation, which today seems like a normal thing in a supermarket. So similarly, what you're doing today on a digital scale is trying to find out what kind of activities work, what doesn't, and having a very methodical and systematic approach to finding that out. So, for example, Facebook found out very early that if a specific person had seven other friends on the network, that means that that person will come back regularly onto their platform. Dropbox did the same thing, and that's a very you know, often quoted example as well. So, um, so for whatever business, uh, it depends on what that insight. So for us at Jiva, we identified very quickly that our growth hacking insight is actually finding the, uh, the farmer and trying to connect them to the Sahabat Jiva, and that was our key insight. So when we found that, we just doubled down on that, and that uh, essentially helped us grow. You talk about taking an experimental hybrid approach. It's an iterative approach in a sense, isn't it? And I know these things take time because it's kind of trial and error. You try it, it fails, you try something else. How patient do clients need to be going into this whole thing? How do you set them up for that process? I think the traditional, ident- uh, you know, the traditional way of uh, taking in budgets and then just running activity based on a uh, quote-unquote big idea is actually one of the most riskiest things you can do because when you're launching a new product uh, or you're launching a product into a new market, you don't have a lot of data to go by. Um, so uh, if you're going to throw in your, your, your budgets, you're actually risking all of it with, with uh, very little data. So the approach of an iterative or experimental approach essentially de-risks that because you're not spending all of your, your budgets on, on the entire campaign. You're you know, uh, uh, starting off with a smaller uh, percentage of the budget. You're experimenting, finding out what works, what doesn't, and then you double down on what works and you keep iterating. That way, your budgets will go 
so much more further. So I think, I think it's just when it's explained in that way, I think clients really get it and they understand that that's actually the better approach to go about it. The only, the only uh, time I would say that that doesn't work is if you're an established large uh, enterprise business with an, you know, and you have proven product market fit already, um, then your focus shouldn't be uh, on experimentation. Your focus should be on uh, efficiency. Having said that, though, um, you shouldn't uh, rest on your laurels as well because there's other competitors always knocking on your door, uh, coming up with innovative uh, products and solutions that could potentially you know, deposition you in the future. So you do need to have some level of innovation and, and experimentation whilst you're, you have your existing customer base. It's very interesting uh, because there's so many phases of digital marketing and at the same time, a lot of marketers are trying to figure out digital marketing. It's new, but not really that new. What are your thoughts on the general digital marketing landscape here in Singapore and perhaps some common mistakes you tend to notice? I think um, in Singapore, obviously because of our you know, mobile phone penetration, our connectivity, um, we are quite mature compared to uh, a lot of the other, other markets. And a lot of clients are obviously pretty much very digital focused nowadays. Rarely do you have uh, clients with uh, a large portion of their budget spent on non-digital uh, channels anymore. So there's a huge focus um, on, on, on digital. And that's, again, uh, due to people and how you know, users and, and, and us as, as, as humans have started to behave as well. We can't live without our phones nowadays. So partly because of that um, and also because of these platforms give us scale and data, you know, uh, which uh, helps us to plan uh, and also to forecast future, uh, future revenue in that sense. So uh, I would say Singapore is uh, obviously a very, very mature. However, markets in the region differ in maturity. Uh, and that's something that we found very interesting. So the audience that we were targeting for Jiva were uh, from the uh, Indonesia market. And that was, again, the, the flip side of it. But uh, if we're just speaking about uh, Singapore, I think we're very digital focused. And I think the other uh, mistake, I would say, is, you know, and to the point that we were discussing earlier, is um, um, trusting the process because right. the process of experimentation requires, um, it does require a bit of patience. It does require maybe three months to six months of experimentation to get the data. Um, and having that patience will pay off in the long run. You know, marketing online has become an imperative, right? A business imperative. Yet, I do know of some organizations that stick to the notion that really I don't need to market online. I'll just make sure my business gets known through word of mouth, for instance, or various other means. Um, What's your perspective on convincing uh, the unconverted? I mean, do you feel that, you know, they've just got to be ready for it uh, before you get them on board? How would you then make a business case for the ones who are not? So the first thing is, I mean, as, as consultants, uh, I think it's probably not the right thing to, to, to try and tell businesses, businesses who have been in business for a long time that the way they're doing their business is wrong. So sometimes, actually, their approach might be the right approach um, and, and, and that might work for, for, for some businesses. However, um, what we try to uh, impress upon is the fact that with digital, you have a tool that gives you so much data so much information and it also enables you to ensure that your marketing spend or your CRM spend or your, uh, any of your marketing activity is not going to waste. Because if you, have a, you, know, if you spend money on a, a newspaper 
uh, ad uh, or any sort of traditional uh, ad. Again, I'm not uh, trying to uh, put any other sort of channels down, but it's very hard to know how many people actually saw the ad mm-hmm. and what led uh, to that sort of uh, you know conversion and so on and so forth. There is with digital, you can be more experimental. You can get the data as soon as possible and as fast as possible, and that way, you know, you can uh, optimize. Uh, based on what works and what doesn't. So for a very small amount of money, for example, you can just advertise on, on Facebook, on Google, for whatever amount of budget that you may have, and you can drive ROI for it. So um, what I would say is for those who are unconvinced, uh, just try it out. Uh, take a percentage of your of your uh, annual budget, a small percentage, less than 5% or maybe 10%, and just try it out. Get someone who's an expert to, to run it um, and, and see if it works. And if it does then, you know, you can double down. If not, then, you know, <laughs> at least you found out. At least you tried and the risk was pretty low. Yeah, you know, I freak out when it comes to data. I love it. I love looking at the patterns. It's just, it's a story that it tells you. I'm curious, and, and thank you so much for explaining how you would convince a company. I am curious to, how long do you, uh, amount of time do you usually set aside to gather this data before you propose or convince this company, any company for that matter? Um, so it depends on the sample size of the data. Sure. So if you are an airline, for example, especially before the uh, COVID period, uh, you would have you know probably millions of, of visitors on your app or your or your website. Mm. So when you have such a huge sample size, maybe an hour, two hours is more than sufficient to make decisions. If you're a yeah, if you're a business that is a lot smaller or much more niche, if that's a word, um, then certainly you'll probably have to spend. Uh, at least allow for the data to collect for at least two, three weeks, maybe even one month. But generally, um, you want to have a decent amount of confidence uh, in the sample size that you have. Uh, so traditional sort of um, you know, statistics, measurements and principles still apply. The marketing scene in the post-COVID-19 world with metaverses, as you mentioned, should be quite an interesting one to pay attention to. Uh, we do appreciate the time this morning speaking with Chad Hamid, General Manager, Growth Ops Singapore. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.